Hey guys, welcome back to Next Level Health and Crypto, where we talk about all things health. And of course, we talk about cryptocurrency, two of my favorite topics. However, today we'll actually be talking about some sports, specifically USA soccer. And let me tell you, I am heated, heated after watching that game against the Netherlands because there was some some play like I haven't seen in years that mistakes that you make when you're, you know, grade level soccer and they have to teach you. It was one of the worst performances I have ever seen. And I'm going to be breaking that down in more detail. Exactly. I'm going to tell you the three reasons why USA lost that game. Exactly the three. And they are, again, they are mistakes that you learn in you know, middle school soccer. So really, really disappointed in our USA team because the, the talent is there. The talent and the skill level is absolutely there. And I'll go into that a little bit more. I might touch on a few other topics. We will see how things go right now. I am sitting in my car in between some Uber Eats orders. It's actually Monday night. So I believe the Bucks game is going on right now. I am recording it so I can watch it later in all its glory. I did actually have tickets to the game. I actually bought season tickets for the Bucks. But let me tell you, so I went to the first game against the Chiefs. And great game, don't get me wrong. But these seats I got, you know, I knew I was getting, you know, way upper level. That didn't bother me. I don't mind sitting up. You get to see more of, I can see more of the, the technicals going on. I can see the different, you know, routes that are being run. You, you can see a lot. It's pretty cool. I mean, being down, being lower, it's way better, of course. There's no doubt about it. However, just being in the stadium and being able to see all the routes being run and the offensive-defensive schemes and was enjoyable. However, what sucked about these seats were I was sitting with all the opposing team's fans, like these obnoxious, jerk-off Chiefs fans who... You know, I'm there to watch the game. I'm there to cheer. And because, you know, and again, we're in Tampa Bay. This is a Bucks home game. And I'm being mocked by Chiefs fans because the Chiefs were able to win that game. And I'm, I'm honestly, I'm, I'm, I'm just shut. Like, I'm not here for that. Like, I just, ugh. Like, you're probably all bandwagon Chiefs fans. You've probably all been Chiefs fans for like a year and just bought your new Patrick Mahomes jerseys. Okay, so I'm just trying to enjoy the game, and I'm going to cheer when the Bucks do well because I'm a Bucks fan, and this is a Bucks home game. So just leave me alone. Don't mock me and do st- stupid drunk chief fan things. Just I just want to enjoy the game and cheer for my team. You know, I'm not getting in your face. I'm not getting in your business. I'm not, you know, hey, ho, 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 ho. that sucks for you. They got an interception. Ho, ho. Like, what are you two years old? Like. I'm sorry, do you have any control of what's going on in the field? No, come on. You're a dumbass fan who knows nothing, who contributes nothing. You buy their jerseys because you're a bandwagoner. That's it. So don't, don't, don't get all in. And, you know, they weren't terrible. I've, I've experienced a lot worse, let me tell you. I've experienced way worse. But, and that one, the one I experienced that was way worse, that was, I was the opposing fan in the stadium of a different team. So I kind of was asking for it. And I and I sort of, I don't blame the way I was mocked and teased and harassed during that game because I'm the opposing fan in their home stadium. I get that. But here I am in Tampa Bay at a Bucks home game and I'm being mocked and annoyed and irritated by these drunk, dumbass, bandwagon cheese fans. And that right there, you know what I did? You know what I did? I sold all the rest of my tickets. I said, nope, not worth it. Not worth the drive down there, not worth, you know, I had to park at a Walmart a few blocks away, so I had to walk, I had to walk at least a mile to get to the stadium. You know, beautiful stadium, beautiful atmosphere, but I was like, nope, not worth it. And look, you know, if I was in a better, if you listen to my last podcast, you know I'm not in a great situation financially. If I was in a better situation financially, I probably would have just gone to the games. No big deal. But right now, I'm in a situation where I need to be working 
as much as humanly possible. I think I actually worked almost seven. I worked between 70 and 80 hours last week. I'm not kidding you. 70 to 80 hours of work. So I have to be working right now. So that, I mean, again, again, if I was in a better financial situation, I would have just gone to the games. I would have sucked it up. Yeah, the opposing fans. Because apparently the section I was in, that's the opposing fan section. And I didn't know that when I bought the tickets. Otherwise, I would not have bought those tickets because it's so annoying to be with the opposing team's fan when you're at your home stadium. I'm at the home buck stadium, and I have to deal with, like when you are an opposing fan and you go into a home team stadium, you have to, you're, you're going to get, people are going to mess with you because you're opposing team. And that's, you take that on going into that stadium, going, I'm an opposing fan. I'm going to wear opposing fans jersey. I'm going to get harassed. That's, oh well, that's, that's what I signed up for. I didn't sign up for that. I'm in freaking Tampa Bay in a Bucks home game. I didn't sign up to be freaking irritated and harassed by bandwagon Chiefs fans. This is our home stadium. Like that, that to me was like, I'm done. Screw this, dude. So again, like I said, I would have gone, but I thought, hey, you know what? I could work all night instead, make 100, 200 bucks. I could sell the ticket for actually more than I bought it for. I think I actually upsold it by maybe like 50 bucks or something. So I made money off the ticket itself. I was able to work that night or work tonight, essentially. And that goes for the other games, too. I pretty much sold all the rest of the games because I'm like, I'm not sitting with opposing jackass fans. Not worth it. I'll just work those days. I was able to upsell. I upsold the Bengals ticket. I think I made, again, like 50, 60 bucks off that. I upsold. I think the only ticket I kind of broke even on was, I can't remember. I had to break even on a ticket. But anyway, I sold the rest because I'm not dealing with that. And I'd rather work those nights anyway. And I usually work Sundays. I usually work weekends, you know, quite a bit. That's good money, good money days. So, however, I say this, even though I've sold all the rest of the tickets for the season, I will be attending a playoff game. <laughs> and I'm hoping, I'm praying that if the Bucks do make the playoffs this year and I get to, I get access to a, a you know, a pretty cheap playoff ticket. I'm really hoping that the rest of the that area won't be filled with opposing teams fans again. I'm hoping that it'll be more, you know, the the Bucks fans that likely bought those tickets in that section who are doing exactly what I'm doing and selling them and trying to make profit, which basically, well, I would be I would have broke even had I I one of the games was a Falcons game. I actually forgot to forgot to list it. So I actually lost out on about 80 bucks. For that game, I probably probably could have sold it more had I sold it a little earlier. So I'm so I'm basically gonna break even on my tickets overall, which is fine. But well, I do I do get access to the playoff ticket for pretty cheap, and I will be going to that game if the Bucks do happen to make the playoffs, which with the division they're in is actually very possible because that division is god awful. So again, I don't know what's happening right now in the game. I obviously hope the Bucks are winning. It's a big game, and there's a good you know hopefully a good chance they'll be in the playoffs because I will definitely be at the playoff game, if there is one, and I'll put up with those fans. But like I said, the people who sold their season tickets in that section will hopefully go, it's a playoff game, I should go. And so hopefully that section will be actually full of Bucks fans and not Bucks fans who have reselling, upselling their tickets to opposing teams fans. So it should be a better experience overall. And I've been to one NFL playoff game before, and it was absolutely incredible. Even as an opposing fan, I was an opposing fan in that game. I, it was the Packers Niners game in, I think it was in their new stadium in Levi Stadium. I'm pretty sure it was in their new stadium. But it was the game where Colin Kaepernick ran crazy on the. I think he ran for over 200 yards, just killed the Packers. Still though, even though the Packers lost, and I was a Packer fan at that time, it was still one of the most amazing experiences ever. Even as an opposing fan, because the the Niner fans that were around me are actually very respectful. It didn't didn't bother me. I was with my brother. We we're both Packer fans at the time, so we got to, you know, go crazy together. I wasn't isolated by myself, which I was at the Bucks game and the other experience I had, I was all by myself. So it's nice to have someone there who's a opposing or who's a fellow fan who you can cheer with and who can, you know, sway the people around and know, hey, look, if you're gonna if you're gonna mess with one of us, you're gonna mess with both of us. I mean me and my brother, we're pretty I'd say we're pretty intimidating dudes. We both we both can get down. If we need to, we're both very, very strong, very athletic men. So we could, uh, we could take on some people if need be. 
So that was actually an amazing, amazing experience. But it was also a playoff game, and playoff games are just incredible. Just the atmosphere, the constant buzz. So I am going to be going to a Bucks playoff game if they're able to actually make the playoffs. So I am hoping for that. Although then again, because I will be in Sacramento until January 8th, so if the playoff game happens, it might happen before then, in which case I would have to sell it, unfortunately, because I'm actually going to be in Sacramento from December 15th to January 8th. So if you're listening to this podcast and you're and you're from Sacramento, I will look forward to seeing you in Sacramento. So also you got to come. I'm going to be actually performing again in the Theater of Lights show that I performed in last year, the one at in downtown Sacramento on whatever Main 4th Street. Old Town. Old Town, Sacramento. Not downtown. Old Town. They do a Theater of Lights show. It's about a 40-minute show. It's really on. It's really honestly really fun, really cool. Definitely a good, great show for kids as well. So I'm going to be performing live again as James McClatchy, the historic narrator, for two nights, December 16th and December 17th. There's a possibility I could do other nights if the OG or if the McClatchy that got hired on for the full shift is sick or has to miss for any reason, then I would be called upon for more shifts. So I am hoping that I do get to do it more than just those two times. I would have got signed on for the full run like I did last year, however... I live in Florida now, so I had to tell them, hey, I can't actually do the full range. Here's when I'm in town, so here's when I can play James McClatchy. And so I was able to sneak in a couple nights. So you definitely got to come check that out, and hopefully, if you're listening, I will see you in Sacramento very soon. All right, so you want to know, U.S. soccer, what am I burning on with U.S. soccer? So let's look at, let's look at goal number one that was scored on USA. Now, before I actually go into the three goals, there are three reasons why the USA, why the USA, why the United States of America lost that game. Number one reason, I believe that it was fatigue and I believe that we were not properly conditioned. It's number one. I think that the coaching staff did a bad job of getting the players prepped from a conditioning standpoint for the game and also the just effects of Qatar and how hot it is. Right? You needed to be in peak, peak shape to play in that kind of environment against the best teams in the world. Netherlands was a top, is a top 10 team. Number one, fatigue. And you could also maybe say maybe mismanagement of subs because certain players were way too fatigued to be playing in that game. So mismanagement slash bad conditioning, which is a, that's a coaching staff thing. That's not a player thing. That's not a skill thing. That's not a, we don't have a good, going to, it's it, that's a coaching that's a coaching thing. Bad conditioning, mismanagement of subbing to prevent uh, too much fatigue. That was problem number one. Problem number two, I would say, is nerves. There are some mistakes that I'm going to tell you about. That I'm going to break down that are a key result of when you get nervous and anxious. You narrow. You don't see things anymore. Things, for example, I'm going to use an example. Let's say that you're looking at a a jar full of pebbles and each pebble represents one problem you have in your life now if you're in a calm good state you might see that jar of pebbles and you might go okay there's some problems there but you have you have some distance from those pebbles right now and you can see other things around the pebbles maybe you can see the nice day outside you can see other things right it's not all about the, the pebbles take up a very small chunk of your view, right? In my whole view, I can see the sky. I can see uh, whatever you're looking at in front of you. You see this jar of pebbles to your left, but it's just, it takes up maybe, you know, 5% of your view, right? And that allows you to be in a very calm state. Now, when you get nervous, when you get anxious, you start focusing on the pebbles and they start to take up more of that space, start to get real close to them. Maybe you even take the jar and you put it right up to your eyes. And now, now, the pebbles are taking up, you know, 75% of your view, right? And that, that now you can't see what else is going on. Now you're, 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 you're not seeing other things in your vision because now this, this, these issues are, are taking up so much of your space. And so I think that the U S players were so anxious, nervous. They were so focused that they were the awareness there was a huge lack of awareness, especially defensively. And I'm going to tell you exactly on multiple goals what exactly what I'm talking about. 
And I think that has to do with nerves. I think if they were calm and experienced and had been there before, they would be looking at the whole view and they'd have that little pebble of problems taking up 5% and they would be aware of things going on around them. But they were all so nervous, so anxious, the nerves got to them and they narrowed their focus and they ball watched like crazy. Like just stared at the ball like like a noob would do. A noob, when you're playing soccer, you don't ball watch. You're, you're aware. You're, where's my defender? Is there someone open back door? Where's the run coming from? Right? You're keeping an eye on the ball, but you, you're aware of what's going on around you. And they were not aware. It was, it was multiple people locked in on the ball, ball watching as, as if that was the only thing that existed in the world. And I think that is nerves could be a little bit of fatigue too because when you get fatigued you start to kind of not have the mental capacity to have that more awareness of what's going on right you're just you're mentally very tired and so you kind of shallow your focus when you're that could be an element of fatigue as well the third reason why the USA lost to the Netherlands especially so badly is a lack of defensive leadership and i'm going to give i'm going to give a, a tip that the coach could have done that could have solved many of the problems that I saw in this game, which is one doing one thing. Okay, and I've coached soccer before, just so you know. I'm not someone who's just talking out of my butt. I've been playing soccer since I was six years old. Played soccer for like 20 straight years. I've only stopped playing in the last two years, and that's because I started line dancing more. And then obviously now with my situation, I don't have time. I work 70 hours. So there's not much time for soccer. It is something, again, I hope to get back to in the future because it is a very fun sport. And it's a great way to get running in without running because I'm somebody who I cannot just go for a run. That is, I mean, maybe with like a good friend, I'd be willing to do that, twenty a short run every once in a while. You know, I could I could sacrifice a little bit and say, all right, okay, you know, you like to run. Let's say I had a girlfriend and she would like to run. You know, I could... I could every once in a while say, okay, I'll go on a run with you. We'll go for a half hour jog or whatever, right? I can I can make some compromises, some sacrifices, but I'm not a runner. It bores the crap out of me. But when I'm playing a sport, I'm running, right? If I'm playing a soccer game, I tend to run two, three miles a game. And I'm someone who is very active when I play soccer. So I'm probably running at least two, three miles. You know, I'm getting back on D, I'm making runs forward. But it doesn't feel like running to me because I'm playing a sport. My mind is engaged in exactly what I've been talking about. I'm, I'm looking at defenders. I'm looking at runs. Where's the run going to come from? Where's the pressure? Where's my outlet? You know, I'm thinking creatively. How do I, how do I create? What's, you know, what runs are going to open up? Should I take this space? There's the ball. You know, my mind is so active, engaged in the game that I run and I don't even realize I'm running because I'm just, it's just out of my mind. I'm so focused on the game. So that is one way. And I'd recommend you as well, if you struggle to get in, if you want to do cardio, and like and like I said in my, I would definitely listen to my last podcast, because I talk a lot about how cardio is very overrated. Definitely strength training is far and away your far better option if you're actually serious about losing weight. You want to strength train. Cardio is very overrated. You can get actually a very good cardio workout even with strength training because your your heart is still pumping oxygen to your muscles when you're working out. Maybe not as intense, it's not as intently pumping as if you were sprinting or running for 45 minutes. You know, it's maybe not, you're not going to be quite as out of breath. You're not going to, it's not going to work as hard, but it's still working pretty dang hard, even with lifting. Cause that, that, those muscles need that oxygen. They need, and, and you will, you will feel a pump. So definitely cardio, super overrated. If you like cardio though, and you enjoy cardio, but you don't enjoy running like me, would highly recommend finding a sport to play. Because you get in cardio, but you're not thinking about cardio. You're not sitting there running going, I feel every ache and muscle in my body and I'm miserable and my mind is thinking about all these terrible things and I, I and how much I'm in pain and blah, blah, blah. You know, like, it's miserable. But if you play a sport, then a lot of times you're very actively engaged in the sport, run two, three miles, you barely notice. So I'd highly recommend... If you're not already, get involved with a local sport. Even even just I did co-ed soccer for a long time, and that was super fun and super chill. You didn't have to be an amazing stud at soccer. You could be a, kind of a beginner and still still play and still have fun. So highly recommend. 
So let's break down these specific goals that were scored against USA. First goal, Netherlands gets the ball on the far right-hand side. They do a good job of getting deep onto sort of the you know back line. Now, if you look back at the, the film, you see one of our players, his name's Tyler, he's a midfielder. His assignment was to track back for late runs. That's your assignment as a midfielder. Now, I think he was way too fatigued. I think he's almost played every minute of every game, I'm pretty sure. I don't think he's ever even been subbed. I Don't quote me on that for sure, but I know he played a vast majority of the minutes of all the previous games. So he was someone who needed a lot more rest probably and wasn't getting it and probably wasn't as conditioned that well. So a little mismanagement there for him. And you could clearly see him running down the field. And he could see. I mean, it was not something where a defender was hidden, you know, behind him or in his in his what do you call it, space where you can't see your blind spot. No, it was very clear. There was a Netherlands player that was running in front of him by a good ten yards. And I know he could see that guy. And I know he knows that that's his assignment to get back on that guy. But in that moment of fatigue, in that moment of of whatever, and I've been in these moments as a soccer player where you see the player, you see the run and you think in your mind, do I really want to do I really want to sprint and catch up with that guy? And your mind kind of goes, well, you know, Tim or Tyler yeah, there's not a great light. I mean, you know, that, that cross could get blocked. I mean, you might make that full sprint, catch up with that guy, and and you might have not had to do that at all because your other defender was able to, you know, take the ball away or block the cross, right? Your mind kind of plays these tricks on you. And, uh, you know, maybe, maybe I won't make that run because that could be kind of a waste of energy, right? And your brain is always trying to conserve energy. It's, it's like so dedicated. We have no idea how much our brain is, is dedicated to try to conserve energy especially during a soccer game when you know you are severely depleted of many electrolytes and food and, and everything. So you could see he saw the runner. I know he knows. He's played enough soccer to know that's my guy. And he did not. He just decided, I'm not, I'm not going to put in that extra effort. I'm not going to sprint and cover that guy. He just, he just made that decision. And he, he probably had that moment where he was just so tired, so fatigued, and he thought, he just kind of hoped in his mind that one of the other defenders is going to do something and it's, it's not going to end up hurting them that he didn't catch up and block this runner. But what exactly happened is that Cross got through and it was one of the easiest wide-open shots you'll see from soccer players, right? Typically when you're watching high level soccer, the windows these guys are shooting through are so tiny. Lionel Messi is a perfect example. He had a goal the other day where he got the pass one touch and sh- and he shoots so fast. It's probably because his legs are really small, which gives him an advantage because then he doesn't, he doesn't need much wind up. It's just, it's just so fast. The release, it's almost like Steph Curry releasing a three. It's so fast, right? And he, and he scores. And that's the type of windows that professionals have to navigate. They have to be so quick with, their, with getting their shots off. And this was this guy could have taken a dribble or two and all the time in the world because all the other defenders in that box were doing what? They were staring at the ball. They were staring at that corner spot. Nobody was aware. Nobody was communicating. Nobody was calling out late runs. There was no leadership. There was no one that was communicating. And as far as I know, Tyler didn't communicate like, hey, need help, 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 runner coming in, right? He could have communicated to his back line that he needed help with that runner. He did not. They all stared at the ball as if it was the only thing that existed. And the cross came through and it was the easiest wide open goal. Okay. So I score that goal and you're thinking, okay, it's obvious what went wrong there. Obvious. Should be correctable. Should be pretty easily correctable, right? You'd think, you know, hopefully someone would realize, oh man, gosh, we should probably make sure we're marking runners 
We should probably be communicating as a back line when runners are coming in. In fact, maybe we should even delegate one of us to be the main guy who's watching and is aware of runners and is calling them out. Maybe, maybe we should do that. We're, we're, we're professional soccer players, right? We should probably have something like that in place. Nope. About 15 minutes later in the game, Netherlands hasn't scored again yet. It happens again. I see this runner come through, and he's on the he's on the opposite side of the field. And I see every single U.S. defender, and they are staring at the ball as if it is the only thing that exists. And I'm in disbelief watching this Netherlands player, completely free, completely unguarded, runs right into the box, and just stands, just stands at the back post by himself. Just waiting. A a full minute went by. I'm watching this going, oh my God. Are you kidding me? Like, he's still unmarked. He's sitting on the back post back door. But the U.S. players are just staring at the ball as if it is Mother Mary. And, like, my jaw dropped as I'm watching. Like, what the heck? Are you kidding me? This is this is insane. So luckily, you know, of course, it didn't hurt them on that one because the, the other defenders were able to get the ball back, right? But in my head, I'm thinking, okay, please God, there has to be someone watching this game who can get in touch with the coach or players and say, hey, man, I'm watching this game. You need to get your defenders to start marking runners and maybe even delegate someone to be the person who is watching for that. Because not only did you just get scored on with a free runner, but there was this Netherlands player that literally stood on the back post for a full minute unguarded. Now, a player didn't even look at him. Like, like, please tell me with all the money that goes into that, that there's not somebody assigned to watch the game on the TV and who can be like, hey, here's what I'm seeing, coach. You might want to... Make some changes. Like, unfathomable. Unfathomable that no changes were made. So, a few more minutes go by. We're nearing the end of the first half. Again, no one has made any changes. And guess what happens again? Netherlands get the ball in the corner. On the backside, the other side of the field, yet another Netherlands player by himself. Again, no one even looking at him. All defenders staring at the ball as if it's Jesus Christ saving them. Just staring at the ball. What happens? Cross gets played through to that Netherlands player. One of the U.S. players at the last second realizes, oh, snap, that was my guy. I was staring at the ball the entire time. I should probably try to get him. But it was too late because the Netherlands player had already received the ball, taken a touch, fired a shot, goal. And at this point, I'm thinking, okay, okay. So at halftime, right? The, the coach, he's going to finally, he's going to finally be like, guys, here's some film. Why are we ball watching? Why is no one aware of runners and other people in the box, why are we like we, like can we assign one of the players like you your new job is to call out and make sure that everyone is accounted for that everyone is on a man in the box like this is your job now because that's exactly what I would have done as a coach I would have delegated like your job now is this make sure it happens so what happens in the second half. Same thing. Runners, wide open, untouched. Defenders, staring straight at the ball, leaving guys complete. I don't know if this was part of the game plan. I don't know if they were just playing more of a zone-type defense to where there was no specific man marking, and so then people just forgot about marking men, you know? So what happens on the third goal? Well, the exact same thing. Late run comes in. And this time, this time he is, 
I mean, as wide open as wide open can possibly get. I mean, even more wide open than the other two bulls. He just he's literally jogging down the field. Oh, cool. All by myself. Nice view. Okay, cool. No, no, no player's gonna pick me up. All right. I'll just wait here for the ball. Cross gets played in, has time, takes some touches, fires in a clean shot. Another goal. <laughs> and I just I am as you know, when I played soccer, and as I still do, you know, when I get back into soccer, I'm a defensive guy, right? I would always be playing sweeper. I'd always be, you know, I've transitioned. I love actually playing on the wing way more now, and I'm way more dangerous there. But, and I was always that guy who was the one who was communicating those things. You know, when we'd have a set piece, I'd be the person pointing people out. Hey, this guy needs to be marked. Hey, this guy needs to be marked. When I was defending, I was making sure I was calling out, hey, backdoor run, backdoor run. Hey, Todd, whoever, backdoor run. That's you. I was that guy. Because I understand the importance of being that guy. And I understand from a defensive perspective with soccer, you have to help your other defenders out. If you see something they don't, if a player's coming from behind them, hey, behind you, backdoor. That's your guy. Right? Like, so it just it, it made me really sad and upset and disappointed that something so basic as just man marking in the box was like completely non-existent. If that's something that you learn very early on in soccer, and that's that's near and dear to my heart as someone who is a very, very active communicator when I play soccer. I'm literally talking the entire time. <laughs> I'm calling out what the opposing team I think they're going to do. I'm calling out when we need to switch. I'm calling out, you know, I even did it too. I used to play Australian rules football for anyone who knows about that sport. Fantastic sport, by the way. I I did the same thing there because Australian with Australian rules football, it's very, very important for man marking. And I would, as I'm running down the field watching, you know, if the play was going on in front of me with the opposing team, I would be yelling where opposing players were and where, you know, if I saw a player near there, I would you know, use his name and, hey, back door, hey, behind you, hey, left side, hey, running, coming, hey, he's pushing forward, hey, you know, I'm that guy. So I wish they had someone like me, I'm obviously not at the level of playing at that level, but just someone who has my mentality, who understands the importance of communication and man marking and not just staring at the ball. And again, I think it comes down to, I think, fatigue. I think they were all so exhausted. And when you're exhausted, you don't have the energy to have that much awareness or to even communicate what's going on around you if you're too tired. So they were probably really, really fatigued, way too tired to even communicate. No defensive leadership. Again, no no one designated, as far as I know, to be that person to actually help call things out to make sure people are actually marked and someone doesn't sit at the freaking back door of a net by himself for a full minute, right? Someone communicate that. So it was just, man, that was just, I haven't seen that bad of soccer, especially from a deep. Now, offensively, I really liked what I saw the whole tournament. I love, I love the, the dynamic they have. I love the attack mentality. I love the ball handling of Pulisic and Tyler Adams and, Offensively, we're awesome. I think we are, have made great strides, but that was literally one of the worst defensive performances I have seen in the entire World Cup. I've never seen that blatant of just staring at the ball in a long time. Long, long time. So, who am I rooting for now to win the World Cup? I am rooting for Argentina. Because I love Lionel Messi so much. That man is literally an inspiration to everybody. I mean, he's five foot like six and is the best soccer player in the entire freaking world. And if that if that doesn't get you excited, I don't know what does, because obviously we know with majority of pro sports, if you're not six foot six, you're not even gonna go for it, don't even bother. Right? You have to be just this massive human genetic freak to play any professional sports. So if you're five six the best play soccer player in the world. I mean, that's pretty cool. 
that's pretty dang cool. You know, if that doesn't inspire you, I don't know what does. Because as somebody who has always dreamed of being a pro athlete, but never necessarily had the the, the freak genetics, I'm not I'm not even six foot, I'm not even five eight, like five eight and a half maybe. I'm about five eight and a half on a good day. So I don't have the genetics to really play very many professional sports. I wish there's anything. There's if I often ask people, I say, you know, if you could, re- if you could do anything in this world, if you genetic genetics be damned, money be damned, what would you do? And for me, pro sports. I don't even care which sport. I don't care if it's baseball. I don't care if it's basketball. I don't care if it's soccer. I don't care if it's football. I want to freaking be in the gym every day. I want to play that sport every day. And then I want to go perform on the highest levels of competition in that sport. And that would absolutely be a freaking dream. But of course, I have to let that go because I'm 5'8 and a half. No, I don't have freak genetics. And unfortunately, my best sport, which is probably soccer, I pretty much played rec all my years. So I never, I've been told a couple times by coaches that, hey, if you had, you know, if you had played select comp early on, you could have at least probably had a like a nice college, a nice college soccer career. But my parents were kind of more, you know, they weren't able to, didn't have the time necessarily to take me to comp tournaments every weekend and things like that. So they kind of opted to just put me in rec. And I, I dominated rec, you know. I was always the best player on my team in rec. But I never was given the, the opportunity to have, to build the skill from a young age to, you know, perform and, and play at those higher you know, college soccer, soccer college levels or it's one of those things where I think about where I go man I don't want to I'm not I'm not mad at my parents you know they, they did the best they could and and they had three other kids to worry about I wasn't at the time even though I loved playing sports I wasn't I probably wasn't pushing as much as I could have but like, hey come on I want to do comp I want to you know I didn't necessarily push for those things so I was just a dumb kid who didn't know anything. So obviously, if I could go back in my old body, I would be pushing my parents to be like, hey, I want to do comp. I want to do select. I want to do comp. I want to do select. And found a way to get it to work, whether whether I got rides with you know other moms or whatever. you know, I'm sure there was a way it could, I could have made it work had I pushed for it. But at that age, I just, I wasn't, I was good and I enjoyed it, but I didn't know I guess the possibility of where I could take it necessarily because I kind of was a little bit of a late bloomer when it comes to sports in general. And obviously if I, knowing what I know now, I would have definitely pushed for that. So we'll see when I have kids, I definitely am going to be putting them in sports and I'm definitely going to be trying to gauge and see, you know, what kind of sports they are natural at. And then, you know, I might try to push them. I don't know. I don't want to be too pushy end of the day I want to be a father that really appreciates time with his kids I think that uh sorry dad I'm gonna throw you under the bus a little bit here but my dad was never very good at that he was he had a weird a weird complex where if we weren't good at something or we didn't take his advice on something typically a sport he would get angry great example I was playing basketball with him one day, right? Dad, dad and son playing basketball, right? Fun experience, you know, father, son, ah, son, I'm so glad to be hanging out with you playing basketball. We don't hang out very often. So this is like such a cool, you know, experience, you know, you think, and I hope to be that father who's very appreciative of just time with his son, whatever we're doing. Right. And he kept, you know, Tim, you need to, you need to learn how to use your left hand. And I was like, I don't, I don't want to. Right. Cause I was used to kind of always doing layups with my right hand and I'd kind of do it around. He said, no, no, you really need to learn how to do it with your left. Let's practice with your left. And I said, no, I don't want to do that. And it turned into like a heated argument where we both actually ended up yelling at each other. And then he ended up going inside and, and walking away. And in my head, I'm like, dude, I, let's just play. I don't, I don't want to take your advice. I don't want to play with my left hand. Get over it. Let's just play. You know what I mean? Like he had, he had kind of a weird complex with if we didn't take his advice, then he kind of couldn't let it go and it was kind of like upsetting to him instead of just being like, okay, fine. You don't want to learn it. That's fine. Let's just play then. You know, and then maybe he, he beats me a few times. Right. And then maybe I'm like, oh man, I want to beat him. I will say this though. 
in my dad's defense, it, dad, if you're listening, I'm sorry, just being honest. I was a bit of a poor sport. If I lost, I would get angry and pout for sure. So there's probably a good likelihood that my dad wouldn't really enjoy maybe even hanging out with me or playing sports with me because it was kind of a lose-lose. Either he let me win and I get mad at him because I know he let me win. Or he beats me and I get pissed off and I pout. So maybe in his defense, <laughs> he's probably thinking like, I don't even, I'm gonna, Tim's going to be pissed off regardless. He's going to be pissed off if I let him win. He's going to be pissed off if I beat him. This, this kid isn't very much fun to play with. So that's, you know, I, I actually never really thought about that until just now as I'm processing all this. That's probably a good reason why he didn't really hang out with me as much as I, I look back. I'm like, wow, oh, why did my dad really hang out with me? Oh, it's probably because I was a poor sport. <laughs> he was like, it's going to piss me either way. So I guess you could, you can make the argument now that I'm processing all this that, you know, I wasn't very much fun to play with either. I was kind of poor sport of myself. But you'd hope, you know, I'm a kid, right? So you gotta, you gotta cut me some slack, right? I don't have a developed brain yet. I'm a dumb kid, right? He's the adult. He's got a developed brain, right? So you'd, you'd hope that maybe as the father, you go, okay, my, I was a dumb, underdeveloped brain kid. But hey, you know what? I'm still just gonna appreciate spending time with them. And I'm still gonna make, you know, be like, hey, I really, you know, really appreciate spending time with you. And maybe, you know, even though he's pissed off and pouty and mad at me because I beat him or because I let him win, you know, maybe down the road he'll, he'll, be like, wow, I'm really thankful my dad like took the time to to play play sports with me, you know, or different two different things. <laughs> but he would just get so mad if we didn't do what he wanted to do. Same thing, I remember we learned how to ski. And all I remember about that day is him being super pissed off that we weren't getting it. <laughs> I remember I was a terrible day. I remember being like, that was awful. I never want to ski again. And I didn't. I didn't ski for years. Because it was such a terrible experience. He was just mad. It was just like, yeah, it ruined it. Ruined it for me. I did end up learning how to snowboard years later and absolutely freaking love it. And I still snowboard to this day. But uh, I don't know. I don't think I'll ever ski. It's been, it's been ruined for me. Too many, too much bad conditioning there on that one. But anyway, I know I've went off on a bit of a tangent there, but I would have loved to play professional sports. But unfortunately, you know, you got to accept your limitations and maybe I haven't even really accepted mine fully. But I don't know. I guess I'm seeing what other, in what other realm can I go to the elite levels of, right? That's, that's kind of what you, that's, that's sort of the next, the next phase for any human being. They want to take something to the next level in a certain area. They realize I don't, I don't have the skills. I wasn't given the opportunity per se to build the skills for to be a professional athlete. Okay, so what what other things can I go elite in? You know, can I go professional in, right? I guess that's kind of the journey I'm still on right now. Obviously, I would love to go possibly to the professional levels of weightlifting. I don't think I would do so much the just pure strength. I see the physiques of those guys who do just, just they're trying to just lift the heaviest. And they look just like fat and weird and bald and they don't look very good. I don't, I don't know if I want to look like that. <laughs> And that's, that's kind of fun. That's kind of a common misnomer is actually, I just had a conversation with someone about this today, but the, the common misnomer is if you really want to build, when you're building strength, you, you build, you also get fat as well. And I don't mean necessarily like you get obese. What I mean is that for every, you know, pound of muscle you put on, you put on a little bit of fat as well. And so there's this common misnomer that people think that they can both build strength and lose fat at the same time. That's like that media creation you always hear, like build muscle and lose fat. Da-da-da, take our pill, you know. But there are you can't do that unless you're taking steroids. <laughs> you are going to have to go through a phase where you bulk and you are gaining muscle but also gaining fat. Then you transition to a period of cutting and you start to, you know, you try to maintain your strength, you'll slowly lose strength. But if you're, you know, eating enough protein, if you're still, or if you're still working out consistently, if you're still pushing, then you will maintain a lot of that muscle, but then you will start to lose the fat. And that is how a real average person actually loses fat off their body. You are not magically going to build 
strengthen muscle and lose fat at the same time. All you're probably doing that you don't even realize you're doing, let's say you're building muscle and you're like, man, I look leaner. I must be losing weight too. You're actually not. You're actually at the same body fat level. The only difference is your muscles are bigger, so the fat is spread out around the muscle. So you look leaner. And that's that's a great thing. Like that's not a bad thing at all. Like I'm probably I'm probably at a higher body fat percentage than a lot of people think. Right? You would you would see the pictures of me and see like my six pack and see you can see my obliques or see and you're like, man, Tim must be at like what, eight percent? No, I'm probably at like twelve percent or higher because my muscles are big and the fat is spread out around them, thus giving the effect of looking really, really lean. So I think a lot of people confuse that and they think they're losing fat. All they're doing is gaining muscle, but it's just spreading out the fat more, making them look leaner. And that is a good thing. We want that. That is great because then you are getting the benefits of building strength and building muscle and you are getting the benefits of appearing leaner. Because a lot of people who are trying to get lean are only doing it for one reason, and that is to look leaner. So forget trying to cut, build muscle, eat in a surplus, and you'll actually get both benefits. You'll be stronger, you'll have more muscle mass, and you'll appear leaner. People will think that you've lost weight. People are like, oh man, have you lost weight? You've probably gained weight overall, muscle weight. And your body fat's probably the same. But the only effect you really wanted from being lean was the look. So you got it. Now, if you actually want to lose the fat and get to you know really low levels, well, then you're going to have to do you know more of a serious cut, keep your protein high, and you're going to have to go through that process. And that's what a lot of people do. They cycle. You cycle on a bulk and a cut, and you kind of cycle back and forth. For me, I kind of live a little bit in the in-between where I just try to eat really, really dialed in because if you eat really, really dialed in, then your body will naturally hold on to a little less body fat. So there is something to be said that if your nutrition is very dialed in, you can to a small extent, a small extent, still be building some muscle and at least you know, staying at your same body fat level, maybe not increasing so much as you're building muscle too, right? And you can do that. You can, if you're real dialed in and you're, you're getting all the nutrition that you need, you can, to a small extent, a very small extent, kind of do both. And so I kind of navigate those waters a little bit. And I, for me, I sort of transition back and forth. Like some weeks are kind of like bulking weeks where I'll be eating in a big surplus. I will be you know, making sure I make sure when I do eat in a surplus that I'm, I'm pushing myself even harder because I know that I'm going to have plenty of glycogen because I'm eating in a surplus and plenty of calories. I better put that to use and I better make sure that when I am lifting, I'm lifting freaking hard. Take advantage. There are going to be days when I'm cutting and I'm going to try to lift and I'm not going to be able to lift as well because you just don't lift as well or get a good or get a good of as or get as good at, as a pump when you are more depleted with your glycogen. So you can sort of live in the in-between, but you really kind of have to, I, I, what I really do honestly is I probably, kind of without even realizing it, I probably kind of cycle on and off. I have some weeks where I eat a lot more, I push harder. I have some weeks where I then, you know, cut out, I start intermittent fasting. That's another great way as well. Intermittent fasting is going to increase your HGH production naturally if you fast for at least 12 hours. And so I've noticed a great effect from fasting at least 12 hours, sometimes 14, sometimes more. It depends on certain weeks. I'll fast more, fast less. And that increases my HGH production, which is doing two things. It's helping me build more muscle and it's helping me maintain muscle. So if I'm in a sort of a more of a bulk stage, I'm intermittent fasting, I'm going to be able to build muscle a little bit better. If I'm intermittent fasting in more of a cut stage, I'm going to hold on to that muscle more because do the HGH production. So that's another great way to kind of boost not only your gains during bulks, but boost your your maintenance of muscle during cuts. So yeah, either got to be either got to be crazy dialed in, or you got to kind of pick a lane. 
most people, you're not going to be as crazy as dialed in as I am. Or you're not going to want to go to those lengths. It's going to be too cumbersome. It's going to be too... It's going to be too unnatural and too not fun, not enjoyable. Most people, you, you, you get to 12% and stay there and build some muscle and you're not going to maybe be shredded, but that's okay. Like you don't, you don't necessarily want the lifestyle of being shredded. I'm telling you right now, like it's not for everyone. Like people think like, oh, I mean, I want to get down like 10%, 8%. It's like, you realize, you realize what the sacrifices people have to make to get there and stay there sometimes make life not fun. And you might not be willing, you might not care that much to make life that unfun to be there consistently. You might find a lot more of your threshold of fun being at 12% and maybe your abs show a little bit, but, but you can still enjoy yourself. You can still have a lot of the foods that you would normally enjoy. You still go out to eat. You can still have, go out and drink with your friends. You can still do a lot of fun things at 12% and maintain 12%. But are you willing to go down to to 8% and make the sacrifices, the compromise it's going to take to get to 8%, that might not be for you. And I'd say for the most people, it's not. It's not for you. Only You really only go that low if you're probably a fitness influencer like myself, where my body is my resume. And so if I can look like someone at 8% body fat, that is going to do a lot more for my following I'm going to have a lot more people interested in following my stuff if I look that lean. So if you're a fitness influencer, there's definitely incentive to be down at those levels just because you can make more money from your following. It's important, right? You have a greater influence. So that's important. Or if you're trying to do shows, then obviously the competition, you're trying to get down to those levels for shows. If you're not one of those two things, it's probably not going to really benefit you that much to get down to those levels. It's probably not going to be worth it for you. Unless you're just one of those people that really loves dialing in your nutrition and really just enjoys that whole process of tracking and measuring and you just like to eat really healthy in general and you don't even really like to drink alcohol at all anyway. You know, If you're one of those people, then you can be at that level without being a fitness influencer and without being in shows. But you got again. You got to find your threshold of of what is, what still allows you to live an enjoyable life. And that might be twelve percent for you. That might not be lower. All right, guys. I think that is all I have for today. I'm going to try to hopefully pick up a couple more orders here on Uber Eats. But I wanted to do this podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. Again, I hope you will continue to watch the World Cup. I'll probably be doing another podcast somewhat around the World Cup at some point. Talking about further things I'm seeing, I'm definitely rooting for Argentina. Let's freaking go, Messi. Let's get this freaking championship and finally get him his first World Cup. I would be so freaking excited. Let's also go Bucks. Let's get a playoff game that I can either A, go to, or B, upsell for a lot of money, which would be awesome. So, guys, as always, you know, make sure to eat real. Make sure to lift weights if you watch my YouTube videos. And I will see you on the next one.